You're listening to DraftKings Network. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hello, welcome to the Hockey Show. My name is Roy Bellamy. Over there to my left is David Dwork of the Hockey News. The Florida Panthers came off of completely and utterly dominating the Colorado Avalanche before going to the Pittsburgh Penguins, which they had a four-goal second period. Yep. They saw Anton Lindell have two goals in that game and another multi-point game for Matthew Kachuk. Now, Matthew Kachuk's calendar year has been something that really has just been amazing, especially considering the slow start they came off of when the season started coming off of that injury, David. Yeah, it's been crazy. Like the flip, the switch flipped with Matthew Kachuk and he's been on fire since uh, since January 1st, really, with all these multi-point games. He's been uh, converting on the power play, him and Sam Reinhardt. The combination has been great. And then Kachuk and Sam Bennett on that second line uh, been carrying the Panthers a lot over the last month. It's been great to see and uh, good for Chucky. Back in Colorado, back versus Colorado, I'm sorry, because that was a home game. Sergey Bobrovsky ended up with a shutout. He was phenomenal. Yeah, Bob actually had a shutout streak between the Washington game, the Colorado game, and then the first half of the Penguins game. He had a shutout streak of over two full games, which is one of the longest streaks he's had as a Panther. And uh, I think that Bob, he's just picking up, man. He was great. We saw him in Toronto. He was great at the All-Star game, and he's just going to carry the Panthers to the uh, to the playoffs. We'll see. So how are the Panthers are doing so far? How are they doing so far overall? Overall. I'd, I'd say they're doing great. Uh, they're playing a style of hockey that has teams scared shitless to face them in the playoffs. And uh, they're healthy right now. It, that's kind of be the biggest key. If they can stay healthy, then really the sky's the limit. And the trade deadline is a couple of weeks away. Do you hear anything that's going on right now? I think with the trade deadline, right now the Panthers are fortunate that they don't really need to make any moves. With Bill Zito, he often has got his finger on the pulse and he's wondering what's going on in terms of around the league. Would not surprise me to see him maybe try to make a depth move, add somebody to that bottom six. But I mean, the Panthers right now, as full strength and healthy as they are, uh, you know, they're, they're lucky that they don't have any holes. Okay, joining us in the penalty box today for the 10-minute misconduct is two-time Stanley Cup champion Aaron Ward. He won with Detroit and Carolina, and uh, he's played with Rod Brandon-Moore with the Carolina Hurricanes. They've won the Stanley Cup together, and now Rod Brandon-Moore is coaching the Carolina Hurricanes. How is it like seeing your former captain now coaching that team to almost victory in that situation? Unsurprising in terms of knowing what he's about but also shocking in the capacity that if you played with him and you truly understand him, he's not a guy of many words. Or he wasn't a guy of many words. You, you knew that he knew the moment as a captain, when to speak and when to let the moment just resolve itself. So to think about a guy that's commanding relatively young group here in Carolina and, and directing them uh, from behind the bench, um, he has it in him. He's bred for hockey. He's the perfect almost symbol of what a hockey player is supposed to be about. Actually, a little bit too much. He <laughs> kind of shamed the rest of us that didn't have Rod the Bud uh, genetics. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he's a guy that loves the game. And if you, if you get the insight in from the videos that uh, social media puts out for Carolina, you can understand why players want to play for him. 
So Aaron, uh, another guy that you're quite familiar with that we're cover a lot here in South Florida is Paul Maurice. I know you played for him uh, two separate stints in Carolina. Also, I just really quick wanted to say welcome to the show as I believe, Roy, this is our first Stanley Cup champion on the show. Yes, it is. So three Stanley Cup rings. Awesome to have you. Thank you for joining us as our first official Stanley Cup champion. But uh, about Paul Maurice, uh, just kind of what Roy asked you about Rod the Bot in terms of you've played for him, you know him for a long time. Now you see the success, not only that he's had on the grand scale because he's reaching all these milestones in NHL coaching, but also the success he's had with the Florida Panthers. Just, you know, what have your thoughts been when you watch him kind of going through all this? Well, I have an even better perspective because I sat beside him on the panel at TSN in Canada when I had my five years in broadcasting. And uh, I would tell you that being a player, there's that certain established relationship that it's tough to really get to know your coach. You see him on a competitive side where he goes to battle with you, how he prepares you, all those things. But to sit beside him and to pick his brain, right? So I had been sitting at TSN on the panel for probably about three years before Mo stepped out of his role in Toronto as head coach and came on with us. And it was probably the most I learned about hockey because he taught me before I actually kind of dipped my toe into analytics about how to think outside the box about hockey. And so what you see from the interviews when when Mo actually provides you insight into what he's thinking, it's it's usually deep, right? He he's oh, yeah. he's one of those coaches that's that's engaging. He'll tell you what he's thinking, sometimes on a very raw level. Uh, but when you get to behind closed doors and teaching you to think about the game differently, I don't know if that's evolved into his coaching style now. But when I sat there in the mid, you know, mid teens, 2014, I think it was about the time he was there. I was enamored. I was drawn in. Like I wanted to ask him more questions and here we are waiting for the camera to come on. And we just finished watching a period and he's explaining something philosophical or from a coaching standpoint, why you have to go in and say these things to the, to the team and why, what my perception of the game, even as a guy who just stepped off the ice and, you know, played from 93 to 2010, why my viewpoint may not be wrong, but it's not all encompassing. There's more to the situation. So he's the guy that broadened my horizons that allowed me now to, to start looking at the game from a different perspective. So he, he is a coach. You I love him. Like there, I, I had coaches. I didn't exactly enjoy playing for he, I love playing for because sometimes he matched your level of willing to compete in the moment. Sometimes he overmatched it. <laughs> and he got really emotionally invested in the game where you look over your shoulder as a coach. You're like, this guy's about to come on and fight on the, on the ice for us. So yeah. he's, he's such a perfect coach and he's such a perfect fit for that group in Florida. Because if you look at the Kachuk interview yesterday on TNT, when he was talking about the fact that they're often a team that takes a different perspective on how to play the game. They'll go beat you up for the first 10 minutes of the game, run you down and then, you know, basically dominate you. And that's kind of Mo. Mo is a is a kind of gruff guy. He's from the same t- hometown I am in Windsor, Ontario. Mm. Very blue collar Chrysler, you know, car dealership. <laughs> I mean, uh, building cars, and and we had uh, Hiram Walkers there. But beyond that, there's not much in, in in Windsor to escape. You have to, you really have to know the game of hockey. And I think he's he's molded this team in Florida in in his design and his personality. And I think it's it's a perfect fit right now. So before we move on from Mo, just do you have one really great Paul Maurice story that you could share with us? Don't mean to put you on the spot, but kind of hard not to ask. I don't know if it's a great story. I It was my first day for Gatorade bath and it wasn't for victory. Oh, oh no. 
we we used to have these trolleys that between periods they one of our guys would set up and there'd be Gatorade sitting on on the trolley right and it was they're all phone guys to take them off. Mo decided that the yelling wasn't much of a message, or it wasn't an appropriate message for this <laughs> moment. Mm. He needed to have something more impactful. He gave that trolley a boot, and oh. I was covered in every color of the rainbow <laughs> Gatorade because the direction of it, like it wasn't, I wasn't insulted, like, oh my God, he kicked it at me. He was just kicking the the the, the trolley. It was all over. So I had to, and I'm not a guy that's ever done this in my career because it takes me too long to get dressed. I had to undress because colors down a white jersey. We used to wear white at home. No, yeah. Carolina Hurricanes wouldn't hide the Gatorade. Uh, my my pants soaked. My my undergear soaked. So I learned to be more aware during uh, intermission <laughs> and post game speeches when Mo was uh, animated. Nice. Um, sorry, I lost my question. I need to go pick up here. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Three, two, one. Uh, Back in January 2nd, uh, the Blackhawks played the Devils, and Brendan Smith hit Connor Bedard, who subsequently fractured his jaw. Now, that hit was clean, and we discussed this on X, formerly known as Twitter, that it was as clean as clean can be. Now, you played in really two eras of hockey. I would say the, lean, the line of demarcation is pre- and post-lockout. Yes. So, um, And I've noticed that body checking has taken a significant dip so injuries have been increasing because I feel like the players now, nowadays, don't know how to defend themselves. Do you agree with that? So I'll say so the, the line of demarcation of the lockout. So th there's there's something that's established that the game got faster in 2005. And in 2005, it's nowhere near as fast as 2023, right. 2024 this season. Back in my era when I started in 93, we didn't know about CTE. When you got hit and there was a brain injury, we called it getting your bell rung. And more or less, there was no test for it. If you could still stand, you're going back out there. Um, 2005, 2006, you take out the red line. More room to move in the neutral zone. No two-line passes. The, the game rapidly increases in velocity, both in how the game is played, but the type of player that can play the game now, and you kind of leave behind some of those underskilled guys. And that's the term I'll use for it. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. in, in 1993 through 2005, I would admittedly tell you, and I was a physical guy and my job was to counter the power forward as, as a large defenseman. I was six two two, average, probably about 225, 230 as a defenseman back then. Mm -hmm. Uh, could skate, wasn't the fastest, but my job was to be physical. And I will admit to you that causing damage was part of the fun, I'll put it that way, of throwing a hit back in the air. You wanted to impact the guy. You wanted to blow him up. There was rock him, sock him hockey, and that was not just the video Don Cherry put out, but it was also mentality oh, yeah. of a player back then. Yeah. 05, 06 season comes. You can't do those things now because – with the red line gone, players are moving much faster. It's harder to make that hit. And in doing so, you have to time your hits better. And I would tell you that the stupidity of picking heads kind of went away. Mm -hmm. They started implementing rules about picking heads. So there was a little more awareness and respect for it. Nowadays, as we go talk to the Brandon Smith and Bedard situation, the shock and awe of that hit was because a it's our call our expected Calder Trophy winner yeah. breaking his jaw in a Chicago 
market that is very impassioned by their their hockey and their sports and to see him go down for that period of time is is a marketing fail but brendan smith is not guilty of anything but actually delivering a by the book clean hit in fact he kind of stood up and stood rather than leaned in Mm -hmm. so that's what happens when the game's played at this speed the truth is the hits are thrown uh, by guys who are in better condition, can move faster. So I'm not going to give you a physics lesson, but uh, <laughs> in grade 13, when I rarely paid attention, object moving this speed, meeting an object moving this speed, going faster and faster, the damage is greater. So that's why we're so even more hypersensitive to the impact on the head and the impact on the body and why you see people a little more touchy about how hits are delivered. So in terms of throwback, kind of keep with the little segue there. Uh, there, I saw something happen that made me feel like a throwback coaching move the other day, Aaron. Uh, Patrick Waugh, recently hired by the Islanders. I'm a big Patrick Waugh fan. I love my goaltenders. Uh, he bag skated them. I think it was yesterday on Wednesday. It was yesterday. Yeah. So you don't see that all the time. The Islanders, obviously, you could argue that it's a bit deserving. But I just kind of, as somebody who you've seen the league in a few different eras, what's your take on a coach bag skating his players these days? That should not be a habit because the problem is you only have so many times to impart on your players that that was not good enough, where it becomes, if you keep using that, it loses its message and and it has, it serves no purpose. So I think given the newness of Patrick Waugh to this lineup, to this organization, to this group of players, now is the right time. He was not happy with performance. It, it was below standards by his by his standards and everybody else's standards. So to do it, it's great. Plus, it's coming at a time with the outdoor game happening in, in New York. I think he wants the best out of his team and a good showing. To do that over and over, it's going to lose its validity. And I've, yeah. I've been through, like, speaking of Mo, we had a game in San Jose where I took a bad penalty. Jeff O'Neill basically screwed the pooch the entire game and everybody knew it. And Nick Walleen, I can't remember what he did wrong, but he bag skated the other team, uh, the, the entire team, sorry, in LA. We went to LA's practice facility after San Jose and he bag skated the entire team. And then he took the four guys that made personal decisions as he puts it on, like uh, undisciplined decisions on the ice mm. and skated them more. Uh, I skated for 30 straight minutes Oh, back and forth at that health south center. And guess what? I didn't take a dumb penalty. The rest <laughs> of the yeah. I don't blame you, <laughs> man. We're happy that Aaron Ward has joined us here and we will have more with Aaron right after this. Whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone with three times the electrolytes of leading sports drinks, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, all in a single sugar-free stick. I love the flavors that Liquid IV team has come out with. Their sugar-free flavors are excellent. Pear, white peach, green grape, lemon lime, which is my favorite. You grew up drinking traditional sports drinks. That time is coming on. We're in the era of Liquid IV. It's non-GMO, free from gluten, dairy, and soy. You can use it on a daily workout, long flight. You want to stay hydrated, make sure you get your liquid IV, sugar-free, put it in 12 ounces of water. You mix it up, you drink it down, go smooth every single time. However you hydrate, grab your liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code DAN at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop better hydration today using promo code DAN at liquidiv.com. 
Don Lebatard. Were you guys building out the A-Rod bathroom of your imaginations? Is that what I heard you discussing during the break? Towels with an A on them. You know the thing you slide the toilet paper on? That's a baseball bat. Hey, like that. Stugats. You think he actually calls it the throne? Probably does. It's an actual throne. An actual throne. There's got to be a full-length mirror in there somewhere. I imagine somewhere in his house he has a replica of David, but with his head on it. (laughs) This is the Dan Lebatar Show with the Stugats. There was a robbery game between the Maple Leafs and Senators uh, last week. Uh, Ridley Gregg uh, on an empty net goal had a slap shot. And quickly, Morgan Raleigh responded by cross-checking him in the face. Now, <laughs> well, obviously the response was warranted, but uh, that cross-check to the face earned him a five-game suspension. Uh, what do you think about that incident? So I think it's been debated and still being debated. I saw yesterday that uh, somebody said that uh, TSN was still running the the clip on their uh, on Sports Center four days after it happened. <laughs> I, I think well, why it garnered so much attention is is because of the fact, like for for, for non Ontarians, people who aren't from Ontario, they don't understand the the rivalry of big city arrogance versus smaller market capital city newer franchise, mm. right? And so. They quickly established, and it got really heated for a very long time, especially in the early 2000s, between the Ottawa Senators and the Toronto Maple Leafs. The fan bases hate each other, even though it should be more of a Toronto-Montreal Canadians from the original six era. The modern-day Toronto fan, I guess, if you ask them who they hate most, it's, it's, it's Ottawa. And if you ask any of the other 31 teams around the National Hockey League, they all hate Toronto. <laughs> so, The fact that Toronto is who they are currently and Ottawa has been just absolutely struggling. This is not where they thought they were going to be at this stage of the season for Toronto to come in a rivalry game, get beat like handily in front of basically their own fan base because Toronto filled the Ottawa Senators Reno with, with their fan base to go in. There was a point of emphasis by Ridley Gregg to, to put that empty net goal in with, I think it's probably like four or five seconds left. Right? He gets the puck, goes down the ice, and decides to launch a slap shot. The problem therein lies that there's this. there's And we talk about the code. The code for, for non-hockey fans is nothing that's written. It's basically a respected number of actions versus the interpretation of disrespectful actions in the game. How do you respect your opponent? How do you respect the game? So for one, a rookie in a rivalry game to go down the ice and do this, everybody was like, you know, panties in the bunch. Oh my God, what was he doing? The truth is there's actually a history of this in the national hockey league. So Kelly Johansson back in, I think the nineties, I mean, there's no such thing as HD. So if you look at the video actually skated a puck in the open net, all the way down to the goal line, stops, waits for the opponent to catch up to him, gets within five feet, and pokes it in slow. 
<laughs> that is the level of disrespect of your opponent in the oh, yeah. game. Okay, so absorb that. <laughs> it happened in a Calgary-Anaheim game where Kessler did something in an open net where it was like emphatically demonstrative in a way it was disrespecting Calgary. Uh, there was a game in which um, San Jose, I think in 2004, has an open net, allows his teammate to catch up with another player, stops in the slot, lets them go by, shoots the puck, and all hell, there's Donnybrook. So <laughs> there's a history of this. So this, from an Ottawa perspective, they're just like, what's the big deal? You know, we we were it's it's essentially a middle finger to all the fan base of Toronto that came to, to Ottawa to watch the game. Like, thanks for your dollars. Mm. It's a we just beat you moment um, on our home ice and saying this is the you know exclamation mark for Toronto. It's a uh, you don't you don't do that out of respect for your opponent, even though it's a rivalry game. And that's what got everybody up in arms. And and as you mentioned, it was an immediate response by by Morgan Riley. And the problem with that was he didn't think out his response. The proper response from a code that doesn't exist but the code is to go and challenge the guy to fight. And you either clothe Lemieux him and have him turtle in the moment like Darren McCarty did in 97, or in 98 you have clothe Lemieux have to come back and respond to his actions by actually fighting. So you call out Ridley Gregg in the moment by challenging a fight, by cross-checking him in the head, you've now shifted the message completely to what a level of stupidity and disregard for the health of a player. Yeah. And, and that's why the debate goes on. And you know where Ottawa fans fall, you know where Toronto fans fall, and the overall NHL fan base just says, hey, this is just simply <laughs> not good for the game. We're the fourth of the major four sports, and we need to market this. And this is not a way to market yeah. your game. Well, John Tortorella, the coach of the Flyers, had some words about this. We just found out about this right now, and you were able to listen to what he had to say. So why don't you give us the scope of what he said? So it took him probably a good 20 seconds. Um, reporter asked him, you know, what do you think about the game now and the younger players and the younger and, – and so he kept searching for – it's a – and he was moving, moving, and he used some, some word or some analogy. And finally he got to the point of like, okay – the younger players in this league are dumb. He said it outright. I was like, oh, there we have it. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't. I mean, if if a guy's going to be honest, it's going to be torts. And you got to respect that. And that's why guys, the guys enjoy playing for him that that respect the fact that being honest is being clear and transparent and allows you to formulate decisions as a as a player playing for him. When he starts to evaluate that might not resonate that well across the league when you start calling the younger group dumb. But he went on to elaborate and clarify what he talked about is this is a younger demographic of players that haven't established the earn process of the National Hockey League. They're getting things too quick too soon. And they're getting respect or commanding respect where they don't necessarily, I think he actually used the word to describe it as they don't necessarily deserve it. And I'll give you an example. When I was coming into the league in 93, when I finally established myself regularly in 96, 97, the year we won the cup, I sat in the corner furthest down the line of the defenseman and I got TV cameras coming in. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, you can see here I am. I've never seen a microphone I didn't like. So <laughs> I'll talk. So it rubbed people the wrong way. Why? Well, first off, who the hell is Aaron Ward? hasn't hasn't i mean got even a year under his belt and why are they going to him why is his opinion matter why does and i was and for the longest time i thought i'm like they're simply coming to ask me questions about hockey 
But then I realized like there's a hierarchy in the game of hockey. You have to earn it. And it's, it doesn't matter about the respect of the, the fan base being given to you to be a successful team. You have to have that hierarchy and respect established with your older crowd, your veterans. And the onus is on them to teach you. And the bad part is how they teach you sometimes isn't always great. Like getting the knees cut off your suit on a road trip oh. and having to walk out of locker room with looking like someone from ACDC. <laughs> um, I mean, those, those are the things that happen. So I think what he's, what he's saying is like, now we market younger players and we put them on a pedestal, but they're from an internal standpoint, from a procedural standpoint, from a code standpoint, there has to be veterans who lead younger guys and they pass on both the messages both spoken, unspoken, learned, and uh, applied during the experience process. That's the best way I can put it. Now, Aaron, before I let you know, we're quick on, we're short on time here, so I wanted to throw you some rapid-fire contender okay. or pretender teams. I got three Eastern Conference teams, three Western Conference teams, and three Cup contending teams, all right? Okay. I'll start with the East. Washington, Pittsburgh, and the Islanders. Contenders or pretenders? Uh, Washington is only a contender for a record and not for the playoffs. Um, they've already come out and said they're going to help Ovi get his thing done. Mm. Pitt, uh, hard to say this, too old at this point. I mean, uh, they're saddled with contracts, underperforming veterans. You got Malkin now for another two more years, no move to, uh, clause, 6.1 million, not really that impactful, nowhere near who he was. Yeah. And you really took a swing for the fences with Carlson and it's not getting, it's not happening for them. Uh, Islanders. I'm actually kind of believing, cause I feel like this team with raw is establishing an identity that is going to get them to a place. But I'm really telling you the, the factor that will eliminate them is New Jersey devils getting a goalie. And then the Islanders are out of this conversation. All right, and out west, I've got Seattle, Arizona, who I was loving early on, and now I'm crying my eyes out for them, and Minnesota. So Seattle, I'm, I know they're on the cusp of the, the wild card. I'm still not there. I think there's too much. I believe St. Louis, St. Louis has figured something out, almost like their Stanley Cup run. They're, they're ascending in a way that most teams are going to struggle against them. Um, you said, what was the next one? Minnesota. Minnesota, I'm buying. I'm yeah. actually buying. They've got it. They've got a leapfrog Calgary. They got a leapfrog Nashville, and I feel like LA is is on a Ugh. on a tantamic oh yeah. ascension to the bottom of the ocean. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's that's Minnie's in a three point battle in wild card with with all those five teams, and I think Minnie can get it done. Yep. All right. So, the Cup teams potentially, the Rangers, the Canucks, or the Oilers, who have a better chance. <laughs> The Rangers, Canucks, and the Oilers. The Connor McDavid's. <sighs> okay, uh, I feel like it's the Rangers. Ooh. The problem with the East, though, is this: it's so competitive. It's cannibalism. They're eating their own. Like you, you get out of the East, you are absolutely beaten up. Yeah, I feel like the West has their their leaders. Like Van Van clearly playing well. Winnipeg is falling off. Um, Vegas has got some injuries to contend with. Like, I almost feel like the competition in the East, if, if New York gets out of that, they're in a good place. Um, and they're a more complete team. I, that, I was thinking about this before coming on. What does New York need? Luxury pieces. That's a good place to be in. Like, you can stand pat. 
Uh, Van went out and got Lindholm, and I think it was a smart play to get him in there from a chemistry standpoint and before anybody else challenged him for it. And then you see what happens immediately. Monaghan goes to Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. So uh, Edmonton, why I haven't addressed them? It's the Skinner factor. And it's always yeah. the same thing. So, yes, change of a coach, change of a style. And if you look at the analytics, McDavid changed as a player. He was not even anywhere near where he is in zone entry uh, with possession and, and establishing scoring chances off off the rush since the, the, the coaching change. But when it gets to the hard times, do you trust Skinner or whoever they throw back there to backstop them? I don't. No. Even though he's performed better, I just don't. Aaron Ward, we appreciate you coming on the show and giving us your expertise and insight. This is a very, very good interview. I appreciate you coming on. All right. Thanks for having me. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.